Moses uh, was from East Tennessee, so we uh, we hope that he will not be around to um, add his own additions to the sermon. Today, our scripture is Exodus chapter three, verses one through fourteen. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has come down to me. I have come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that it is I who sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt and you shall worship on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. May the Lord bless the reading of this living word, and may the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. I am here. You are here. We are here together. This is a prayer from Brian McLaren's book, Naked Spirituality. It's actually the first half of a prayer. These are words that I say almost every day. It's a reminder for me to be present right here where I am with the faith that if I can turn aside from whatever else is going on and pay attention, that it might be possible for me to join the God who is here too so that we can be together. Something or someone was drawing Moses past the wilderness up Mount Horeb. He didn't know where he was. 
and he didn't know where he was going. But he put one restless foot in front of the other, chasing a glimmer of possibility on the horizon, bright and shining, but mysterious. Filled with wonder and desperate hope, Moses left his father-in-law's sheep saying, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. It was the Lord's way of whispering to Moses, I am here. And when the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see, he cried out to him, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. And then God said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet from the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Moses, I am here. You are here. We are here together. Moses had never felt present in the place that he was. He had never felt at home there or anywhere he had ever been. When he was born, Pharaoh was trying to kill every male Hebrew boy he could find. Because he was afraid that there were too many of them and that one day they would rise up and take his power. And so Moses' mother put him in a basket in the Nile. And ironically, Moses was rescued by Pharaoh's daughter. And though she gave him to his mother to be nursed at home, he grew up like so many transracial adoptees, a Hebrew in an Egyptian household, never fully seen or accepted as, a he as an Egyptian, but also never fully seen or accepted as a Hebrew. Not at home in his adopted family or in his birth family. Not at home in his own skin. When Moses was a young man, he saw the way his adopted people were oppressing the people of his ancestors. And his anger broke the bonds of that internal cultural conflict and he killed an Egyptian that he saw beating a Hebrew. The next day he tried to break up a fight between two Hebrews saying, why do you strike your fellow Hebrew? The man answered, who made you ruler and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Moses realized the word was spreading and that Pharaoh would soon know and that he would soon be hunted down and killed. So he became a fugitive on the run. And then he became an exile, marrying a Midianite, finding his home in another place, in another family, in another culture, naming his son Gershom, which means I have been an alien residing in a foreign land. But it was here on this foreign land, in this wilderness place, this no place that God found him and gave him a home within himself. I am here. You are here. We are here together. This togetherness, God and human, was terrifying for Moses. He hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. But it would only be through facing his fear that Moses would know who he really was. The second half of Ryan McLaren's prayer is, Who am I? Who are you? Who are we together? 
who Moses is, who he really is as his core, is connected directly to who God is and who they will be together. And of course, that same truth is true for us as well. Who is this God calling out to Moses from the bush? He is the Holy One who reminds Moses that he has been faithful to his ancestors, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and even Moses' own father. Who is this God? He is the Holy One that tells Moses that he sees his children and notices their misery, that he knows their suffering and hears their cries coming up to him. He is the Holy One who has come down to deliver his people from slavery and bring them to freedom in their own land. But in the midst of all this good news, Moses is startled by an abrupt command. God will not do this all by Himself. He will choose to do it with Moses. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Who, me? Moses squeaks. Well, at least that's how I would translate it. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I imagine that Moses thought, I can't do it. I'm a nobody. I'm not qualified. I'm not enough. In the conversation that follows in chapters 3 and 4, we hear more about Moses' self-doubt. They won't listen to me. They won't believe me. I'm not a good public speaker. I'm slow to speak and I've always had a stutter. Oh God, just send somebody else. Moses asks, who am I? But God doesn't answer his question. God says the only thing that matters, I will be with you. Then Moses asks, well, who are you, God? If I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me, and they ask, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And in a mystery perhaps even more wondrous than that burning bush that was not consumed, God says what sounds like the Hebrew letters Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey. This could be rendered, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be, or even I will be with who I will be with. Or maybe we're overthinking it. Maybe if you just listen to the letters, you could hear it. Yod, hey, Bav, hey. It sounds like breathing in and breathing out. It reminds us that God is a mystery. And Rob Bell tells us that that doesn't mean that God is not knowable, but that God is infinitely knowable. What Moses is beginning to learn is that the God of the burning bush is endlessly knowable and yet holy with us, closer to us than our next breath. It's as if God is saying to Moses and us, come along with me and find out who you are and who I am and who we will be together. And the good news this morning is that this is not just Moses' story, but it's our story too. God comes down to us. God calls our names. God can make 
these wilderness places, these nothing places, these desolate places, holy ground. God says to us, wherever we are, whoever we are, whatever has happened, I am here. You are here. We are here together. And God can help us answer that lifelong question, who am I, by giving us a calling and showing us who He is and who we can be together. But in order for any of this to happen, you have to take off your shoes. You have to turn aside. My friends, there are burning bushes all around you. There are patches of sacred ground everywhere. Even in the wilderness places that feel like they're no place at all. The God who called out Moses, Moses 3,000 years ago calls your name right now. But if you don't slow down and pay enough attention, if you don't get off the well-traveled paths of your life, you might not ever even know it. In this wilderness escape summer, I challenge you to find ways to get yourself off the well-beaten path. To find ways to turn aside. To find ways to take off your shoes and just sit and be and listen. It might mean literally going somewhere else, taking a, a day trip or a vacation or a retreat with your family or by yourself. It might mean getting up a few minutes before your kids wake up and finding some silence, though they seem to find a way to wake up exactly about the time you do that, or pausing when they go down for a nap. It might mean going for a walk during your lunch break. It might mean try, take, turning the radio off when you're in the car. It might mean trying a new spiritual practice or recommitting to an old one that helps you listen for God's voice like praying or reading the Bible just a few minutes a day or journaling or meditation or making art or spending time with a friend that helps you to listen to what God is saying to you and listens to you as well. Personally, I'm a lot like Moses. I need to get out in the wilderness where I can only hear the birds and the bugs and my feet crunching the soil. The voice of God seems a whole lot easier to hear when I'm out there. And so I'm so glad that our youth are going out to the wilderness this weekend. For some of us, life has turned us aside. Moses wasn't necessarily out in the wilderness because he wanted to be there, because he chose to go take a little spiritual retreat. Some of us are homebound or recovering from an injury or illness or overcome with grief or making some kind of life transition that we did not choose. And it feels like all we have is time to think and reflect and to wonder and to wander out somewhere in the wilderness. A wilderness that we would do anything to get out of. Like Moses, it can take these inconvenient and tragic circumstances for us to finally hear God's voice calling out to us. And if that is where you are, my prayer is that you can believe that God can take that nowhere place and show you that it is holy ground. That stripped of the superficial cares of life by your suffering, that you will hear God calling your name in a new way and calling you to a new way of being and living. Whether we turn aside voluntarily or feel forced into it, it takes time and attention to find God's presence and hear God's voice. 
We don't know how many nights Moses was out there wandering in the wilderness trying to find himself, trying to find God, trying to find something. Our journey with God can be like that, sometimes crowded out by our own thoughts, sometimes filled with painful silence. But if we keep at it long enough, we might just have our own burning bush kinds of experiences. Like Moses, we have to face our fears. When we read this ancient story, it is clear that our ancestors had a literal fear of God. They believed that you could not see God and live. But what I think is most fearful for Moses and probably for us in being in God's presence is that God's presence helps us see about God in ourselves. In some ways, looking at God is like looking through a window on the way that the world could be. And that always requires some kind of sacrifice from us. For Moses, that is a vision of his people being liberated from slavery into into the wilderness to go and find the promised land. But it can also be like looking at God as like looking at a mirror. A mirror undistorted by the truths, untruths we hear as, our, as the images we think we see go from our eyes to our brains. God's presence forces Moses to see himself as he really is. He has to confront his limits and his inadequacies and his faults. And that is so hard because we all try with so much time and energy to hide those things. To hide our imperfections, to hide our weaknesses, to ignore them, to pretend like they don't exist. But we have to be brutally honest with ourselves and God. We have to learn to accept those things. But in some ways, for some of us, seeing and naming our weaknesses is easier than seeing and naming, much less sharing our goodness and our gifts. It is hard to believe that we are a gift and to see and name and to share our gifts. In some ways, that is so much more vulnerable. What if my gifts don't feel like gifts or they don't look like what others see as gifts? What if I share my gifts and they are rejected? Then what? Historically, the church has been really good at helping us see our faults and our limitations and our weaknesses and not very good at helping us to name our goodness and to see our gifts. Or we have named and elevated only certain gifts, leaving many to wonder if they have anything to offer at all. And that's why I love so much the words that start our West Main Constitution. We seek to help each member find meaningful ways to live out their Christian faith by affirming uniquely ordained spiritual gifts, and this is the part that I love, by blessing ordinary personal skills and attributes. The truth is that we all have something beautiful and good and unique to offer God and each other. Some ordained, some spiritual, and many personal skills and attributes that feel ordinary but are anything but ordinary to the God who made us and gave them to us and wants to use them. So in this wilderness escape summer, I challenge you to ask God, to ask yourself, to ask people you trust, what do I have to offer? And be willing to believe what they say back to you.
it might surprise you. Not only does God choose to need you and your gifts, not only do we need you and your gifts, but you need them too. As researcher Brene Brown writes, as it turns out, it's not merely too bad if we don't use the gifts we've been given. We pay for it with our emotional and physical well-being. When we don't use our talents to cultivate meaningful work, we struggle. We feel disconnected and weighed down by feelings of emptiness, frustration, resentment, shame, disappointment, fear, and even grief. In the mirror of God's presence, Moses is forced to face his own worthiness. The gift he is to God and the world, and the gift he has to offer to God and the world. My prayer is that you would have the courage to do the same. Finally, Moses has to say yes and just take that fearful step forward to do what God says that he and Moses and the people of Israel will do together. If you keep reading this story, you see that God, that Moses does so kicking and screaming. He throws every possible excuse at God for why he can't do it and why he's not enough. But God is unconvinced. Moses' questions and doubts are never resolved. But he does what God asks him to do anyway. And he'll do it again and again. Unfortunately, it's not a straight line. It's one step forward and two steps back, but that means it's a true story. That means it's like our story. Moses grumbles and resists and curses God and curses the people and doubts God and himself and disobeys God and makes terrible choices. And, and Moses is faithful. And his ordinary personal skills and attributes are used to do miraculous things. Because God is with him. Together they liberate Israel from Egypt and make it to the promised land. Moses was right to think that he wasn't good enough. That he wasn't enough to do what God was asking him to do but only if he tried to do it all by himself without God's help and without the help of his people. And the same is true for all of us. May you have the courage this wilderness escape VBS summer to pray, I am here. You are here. We are here together. And to believe that with everything that you have, despite all the evidence to the contrary, that God is actually with you. Take a deep breath and pray it with me silently just where you are. I am here. You are here. We are here together, God. And may you have the courage to ask God, who am I? Who are you? Who are we together? And again, take a deep breath and ask that with me silently, just where you are. Who am I, God? Who are you, God? Who are we? Who can we be together? You might be surprised by what you hear 
For you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God wants to use you. Yes, even you. In a moment, we will stand together and say our affirmation of faith. And we will sing hymn number 482, Here Am I, Lord. And when we do that, if you are here feeling God's presence with you, if you are hearing God calling out to you, and you want to make a profession of faith this morning, if you want to respond in some way that is public, I will be down front to receive you so that we can celebrate that together. And if you find yourself wanting to join this good, imperfect but good family of faith who is trying to walk together even through the wilderness, I pray that you will come front as well so that we can celebrate that with you.